welcome to the Magic Pisces podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear blue sky. Check. Magic Pisces podcast. Let me tell you about, uh, I think one of the, the when, when you have a podcast, it, there, there are all of these pain in the ass things, like trying to record the freaking thing. There's like, in, in GarageBand, this is where I record, I record podcasts in GarageBand. And, and so it's like, it's, it's, it's partially a GarageBand pain in the ass. There's like 50 things in GarageBand that have the potential to be a pain in the ass. Uh, one being the decibel level. So meaning the, how, how loud it is. So it's a little loud. Like I was listening to it in my headphones and it's a little loud, it's a little off. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll just turn the volume down in podcast, in GarageBand. And then you, but you turn the volume down in GarageBand and it doesn't stay down. I'm like, what? Who in the fuck, who in the fuck makes a volume knob that doesn't stay down? GarageBand, that's who. Steve Jobs, that's who. You know, so I'm like, okay, so then I like Google, like, volume won't stay down GarageBand. And, I'm directed to this form, GarageBand form, where there's just like multiple people experiencing the exact same pain in the ass problem with like no solution. (laughs) It's like, try this, try this. Oh, you need to reset the blah, blah, blah on the blah, blah, blah. Okay, you need to go into preferences. And this isn't exactly what I'm reading, but it's kind of, it's the the essence of it. (laughs) So it's like these types of things are what cause people to not pursue their dreams. It's like someone has a dream to start an amazing, to have an amazing podcast, like perhaps myself, and they're, they're, there's a vision for all of the people who could be reached, and then there's just these, there's like seven pain-in-the-ass things to figure out that are in the way of that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, you could hire a professional podcaster to produce it for you. It's like, $700 an episode, right? Like, which is a, kind of about what it is. I believe it's like maybe like 500 and they'll get it sounding all pro. Like, for instance, that thud that you might have just heard, with, which was my knee banging against a garbage can, a trash can, um, they could like make that go away or something. And, and the other thing is that I'm in this, I record these podcasts in my office and my office has an echo because it's all wood. And so I'm like, listening the other day, and I'm like, damn it, there's an echo. Pro podcasts don't have an ep- echo. So I'm not as worried about the Magic P- P- Pisces podcast. I'm more worried about the, the, the book that I have coming out very soon and the associated podcast I want to create for it. And I think the book might hit a large audience, and so I don't want the large audience that goes to my podcast to think I'm ghetto which I kind of am. I'm just kind of a little ghetto. I'll, I'll always be. A very good friend of mine way back in the 90s said to me, there's something about you that will always be a little ghetto. And I'm like, yeah, you might be right. Like I go out to my Honda Accord, which runs amazingly well um, because I take care of the engine and the oil changes and all of the fluid changes and the tire pressure and the tire rotation, all that stuff. I'm very, very good about preventative maintenance on the inside of the car. I take that shit very seriously. But the outside, it's like, oh, the taillight, you know, the, the taillight casing is cracked. It's like 400 bucks. It's like 350 bucks. And um, 
I'm like, nah, it works. If you if you hit the brakes, the the light lights up. It's just got a crack in it. So it's and then there's like multiple dents, and it just looks a little ghetto, you know. And I don't know if I told this story, but my neighbor, my neighbor Christina, I shouldn't name her name. Maybe I I won't name her last name, but she um, ran into my car when I was in Chicago in July when she was parking, and fucked it up cost like two thousand dollars damage and she called me on the phone and I was like I was at my parents house in Chicago I'm in the middle of like family stuff I don't mean like fun activities with my family I, I mean managing the psychotic emotions that come up when I find myself with my family of origin I'm with my family that's what I mean by with my family right <laughs> and I'm doing a very good job of holding it all down I'm just doing great I'm not having any emotional outbursts I'm not reverting to my inner child uh, inner child's tactics and strategies uh, for survival. I'm, I'm, I'm doing just a really good job of being an adult, right? And integrating all of my various parts and uh, being a good son and not a son who's destroyed the family as the result of hardcore drug abuse, all that, right? So anyway, she calls me and she's like, hey, um, yeah, I hit your car. And I think, I, I scratched the paint, and I think I might have caused a dent. And so I'm like, okay, well, you hit my car, you scratched the paint. I'm like, and there's a dent on the right, on the passenger side, kind of wheel well of my car. And I'm like, oh, well, you know what, that dent, that dent was already there. Uh, I think that, I, I was like, I think that dent was already there, but I'm not sure, I'm not, I wasn't exactly sure if we were, if, I, I couldn't picture which side the dent was on that was already there, and whatever. And again, I'm managing all of this, inner child stuff. So I'm like, I, I need to get off the phone. We'll figure out when I get back to California. So I don't, I don't even really pay it much attention. But then I get back to California and like a day later, I'm like coming out to my car on the driver's side and the, it's all fucked up. It's like dislodged. It's like, and I didn't notice it at first because I think I got back at night and took, went for an errand or whatever and I just didn't see it. But then the next day I, I see it and I'm like, Oh no, that's fucked up. Like it's the it's like dented and scratched and the whole bumper is like dislodged. So I sent her a text and I'm like, "Hey, the the bumper's the bumper's fucked up." Right? And uh so she's like, "Okay." So I go and I get a quote. I go to get my oil changed and I get a recommendation from the Honda dealership from the guy who I like trust, who I've worked with multiple times over there and uh, who I've allowed to upsell me on all of the stuff that I need to take care of with my car. And he's like, oh, this is the best body shop. So I go to the best body shop, which is like, that he recommends, which is like another 20 minutes away. So now I'm like 30 minutes away from my house, 35 minutes away from my house, maybe. That's a slight exaggeration. But I'm like, it's a drive. It's a jaunt, right? <laughs> and it, the, they give me a quote. It's like $2,000, $2,200, Right, because it's like body work and multiple panel replacement and all that shit. So I send her, um, I, I let her know, and that, hey, Christina, there's damage to my car. Um, it's twenty two hundred dollars. I need your insurance information. Silence. Nothing. She doesn't respond. At first, she's like, okay, and then it's silence. She doesn't respond, and I'm like, starting to be like, well, what, what the fuck? It's, it's. My car's fucked up, and I, I, I don't share a wall with this person, but I live in the same compound. So we have the same landlord, and um, I'm trying to keep peace amongst 
everybody, but I'm starting to get really mad. And so one day I sent her a text. It's been like literally two, at least two weeks since I reached out to her or since she, since I had sent her the information or the, since I alerted her to the cost. And I'm like, hey, are you ignoring me, LOL? I don't know if I said LOL, but I'm like, hey, are you ignoring me? She's like, yes. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because you said the dent was there and I'm not paying for you to, I'm not paying for you to replace your bumper. And I'm like, oh my fucking God. Now, I'm a lot of things. I'm a little crazy. I'm prone to emotional outbursts. I can uh, maybe scream if I get infuriated regarding something like this, for instance. But I'm not a liar. I'm just not. I don't lie. Sometimes I exaggerate just to like get stories across more effectively. I'm even better at not exaggerating, right? Because exaggerations are half-truths, right? So I'm trying to be as honest as I can. I'm not a liar, and I'm not a thief. And I'm not, I'm not a person who commits insurance fraud. <laughs> I'm just not. Like, uh, I don't lie or cheat or steal. And so th this person strikes me as, so he here's the thing. The, the, the point of the story is, um, it's not this person is a liar. It's not this person is, is a piece of shit. It's not this, um, that this person should go to jail, which maybe they should. Um, it's about what's the opportunity spiritually here for me? Because I talk all of this Course in Miracles stuff, right? And there's this entire, I actually live Course in Miracles. I don't just talk it, right? And, and this is an opportunity presented to me by the Holy Spirit, by God, to practice a radical form of forgiveness. Uh, what Gary, I believe his name is Gary, Gary Vernarchek, he's one of the Course in Miracles ministers, he, said, he calls it quantum forgiveness. So it's like the, the traditional forgiveness would be, well, um, you've messed up my car, and you're a piece of shit, and you actually belong in prison, um, and I hate you, and I'm going to go around in the neighborhood, I should go around in the neighborhood and turn everyone against you, and gossip about you and slander you and tell everyone that you're a piece of shit, but I won't, but I won't because I am holy and I'm listening to Jesus and Jesus says to forgive, so I'm going to forgive you even though you're a piece of fucking shit. That would be like the traditional form of forgiveness. That's a lot of, that's the, the, the form of forgiveness that a lot of Christians employ, right? So, there's that form of forgiveness, and then there's Course in Miracles forgiveness, which is like quantum forgiveness, which as um, the, the, the most powerful and radical example of that that has existed in human history is when Jesus had been beaten, not beaten, not only beaten, whipped, whipped and flogged. I don't know what the difference between whipping and flogging is. I think they might be synonyms, but he's been flogged viciously. So he's been he's been attacked. He's been you know chained to a pillar with his back to some very 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 strong Russian soldiers, and they have whipped him mercilessly, uh, destroying his flesh. So it's about the most agonizing. 
uh, sensation that a person could experience. Right? So he's been flogged, and then he's been made to bear his cross, meaning basically carry the fucking cross that they're going to nail him to for like, I think, I believe the distance that he had to carry the thing was like a half a mile. So he's got to like drag this cross like up a hill, you know, and he falls and they're mocking him and whipping him the whole time and his mother's watching and it's just awful and all these people are like cheering him on, you know, call yourself king of the Jews, which is, this is where the, they were saying Mel Gibson was anti-Semitic in this Passion of the Christ movie because it depicts the Jews in a certain way. But they're, um, they're, they're beating him, and he's dragging it, and then they get him to the cross, and they lay his back against it. His back gets, like, that's been destroyed by these whips, and he, it gets agitated against the wood and the splinters of the cross. Just imagine that, right? And then they nail his wrists to the frickin' thing, and then they put nails through both of his feet, uh, securing him to this cross, and then they, if you watch Passion of the Christ, it's fucking, it's so gnarly. It's so gnarly, right? You can only watch that movie one time. Then they raise the cross, and his whole body just kind of, like, sinks into, like, the nails, and he's just there on the cross, left to die over the course of several hours with these other two guys, right? And the, uh, I forget their names, thieves, they were thieves. <laughs> Imagine, like, back then, if you just, like, stole something. Like, now, like, for instance, like, my neighbor basically stole from me, like, th the price for thievery back then would be torture, <laughs> being nailed to a cross and left to die while everybody watched. I don't want that to happen to my neighbor. Maybe a part of me does. A part of me definitely does. But not the whole part. <laughs> so, no, I wouldn't, be able to, I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if that actually happened to my neighbor and I had a part in it and I played a part in it. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. So anyway, the, um, so, so then he, he dies, right? And he goes up to heaven and, or he, he dies and he goes into hell and then he comes back and he goes up to heaven. I don't know the particulars of the Jesus story all that well, but that's that's the general gist of it, right? But he's been nailed to this cross, right? And the Roman soldiers are mocking him, making fun of him, and and he says, and they're gambling with his clothes. They're like rolling dice to to see who gets to keep the the Messiah's loincloth or whatever it is, right? And he says, "Father, forgive them. They know not what they do." So that is a radical, radical, radical form of quantum forgiveness. So what he's basically saying there is these people are totally insane. They don't know who they are or what they're doing. Forgive them. They have, they, they're, they're completely out of their minds. And so the way that I sort of use that or like to apply that is to, or, or to give myself a, a, a way to apply that lesson, that radical forgiveness lesson, is to just sort of think of everybody like they have Alzheimer's. Because you're not mad at, like, your Alzheimer's grandmother for um, X or Y or Z or being appropriate or saying inappropriate things. I at one time had a friend whose dad at the Alzheimer's home, at the old folks' home, like, came out of his room with a, with a boner, <laughs> was, like, running around the unit with a boner. And, and there was this other... There, I heard the story of someone else's dad doing that, like, coming out of the room with a hard-on and, like, basically trying to molest everybody else in the unit or, or jerking off or whatever. And so I actually used the story that I had heard about this other person, I can't remember who they are, to console my 
my current friend whose dad had done that. And so that's, that's sort of, you're not mad at that person. You're like, oh, no, you're insane. You've got Alzheimer's. Like, you're, you're officially not accountable anymore, right? We don't take those people and lock them up for being perverts. Um, and so, and you know, I had this, there was this other woman that used to live in the building that I would, that I lived in for nine years, and she, she had Alzheimer's, and she would, she would drop the N-word, like, all over the place, and everybody was just like, oh, isn't that cute? Now, she's probably, had been probably a little bit racist when she was growing up, but now she gets a pass. And so, basically, A Course in Miracles style forgiveness says you get a pass because you're a person, you don't know what the hell you're doing now. This, this woman, right, has, um, has, she's just insane, and the reason that she's dodging me is because of fear. She's terrified. There's no way that she doesn't know that a part of her, she, there's no way that a part of her doesn't know that she actually did this, and, and it's, it, it's incredibly unfortunate that she has to, like, imagine having to live with yourself when, if you're so afraid that, that you can't face reality. Because if I did this to a car, I would just, I would just know. You know what I mean? And, and so I think what she's done is she's taken that, the, this, I think that a part of her really knows what happened and she's taken that truth and sort of tucked it away in a place that's convenient uh, for her to not have to, to look at, along with all the other shit that she doesn't have to look at in her life. So it's, and, and so see now in talking this through and talking this out, I'm like, well, you know what? I get to finish this podcast and upload it to the podcast service and then go surfing. <laughs> and I don't have any clients today, so I get to go surfing and fuck around and work on my book a little bit and, and whatever, you know, so compare my life to that life, and now, and my car's got a little dent in it, you know, and I barely even notice it, and sometimes when I notice it, I'm like, God, like, she was outside of my, she was outside of my, I live on, like, a little compound, as I said before, there's, like, multiple units that all exist in this little, in this property that I live at, and so she's out on the, on the front porch talking with my landlords who live right next to me, on Sunday, I believe it was, and I'm just, I'm just getting enraged, right? I'm just like, that fucking thief, I, ah! And I was like trying to like read a book or something, and I kept hearing her voice, which is a deep voice. She's like a six foot two trans woman, right? I'm hearing her, her, her voice, and her voice is like, you know, it's like kind of like a little deep, and, and it's just very distinct, and I'm just like, ah, I hate her, right? So I'm like getting up in my apartment and I'm like trying, and I'm like, oh, just not, I can't read, so I'm gonna like make a avocado toast. So I'm like cutting up the avocado <laughs> and, and I nick my finger and now there's blood. I'm like, ah! You know, this is the insane part of me that wishes horrific things to happen to this person. And I swear to God, I shit you not, I was like, God, please help me to transcend this and see the purity and the love in this human being who is living in fear. And I started to experience this, I started to transcend the entire thing. And I went into this beautiful beatific state, kind of like the state I'm finding myself in right now in this moment. And I moved beyond the whole thing and I saw the beauty and the perfection and the infinite glory of God that was available to, to me in that moment. And that is quantum forgiveness.
So every person who you encounter who has quote-unquote wronged you, it's an opportunity for you to get closer to God should you choose it. The problem is, or the challenge with being human, is that we are tempted with the old way. So we are tempted with our old ways of being, our previous ways of being. For me, it is anger and rage and hate and fury and violence. And, you know, we are programmed, our egos are programmed to react in those ways to support us in survival, I believe. It's the reptilian part of the brain. But there's this other part that is connected to something greater than us, which is seeking to be in relationship with that which is greater than us. I choose to call that which is greater than us God, and we connect to that God, or we have opportunities to connect to God when we are tempted to take different paths, and those different paths can look like drug addiction, like sex addiction, like porn addiction, like candy addiction. They can take an infinite number of ways. There are so many ways that we can disconnect from that which is greater than us, but there are so many ways that we can. And when I saw this person as an opportunity to transcend, and I chose to take the opportunity or to honor the opportunity, I moved into this totally trippy place, right? And, and it was beautiful. And you know what? I'm a human being, so there's no way that... Um, there, it's unlikely that I won't be tempted to experience fury and rage and hatred towards this person again. But the I, I am more and more choosing to take the opportunity to honor the opportunity that has been given to me by God to move beyond it. And so Miriam Williamson in one of her talks, uh, Course in Miracles talks, says that the Holy Spirit will often put people into your experience who you hate so that you can choose to transcend that hatred and get closer to God. And so that's exactly what's happening here. And I, I mentioned, there's probably another... Uh, episode I, I should um, dedicate to my next-door neighbors and their barking dogs, who I've mentioned before, um, but they are also an opportunity to move beyond the hatred. So I hope you've taken something from this episode. I was actually going to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer because um, I got time to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. So I was... You know, this whole, there was talk, it was Dahmer talk on Facebook about the Dahmer, the Dahmer, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer series on Netflix. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to check out Dahmer. So I started checking out Dahmer, and I'm like, okay, well, I know the story, and this guy isn't really Jeffrey Dahmer. This guy's just an actor. And so I just couldn't get into it. I'm like, well, I'm going to watch the real Jeffrey Dahmer. So I Google, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer. And I believe it's Inside Edition. I was watching this, this in-depth interview with Jeffrey Dahmer. There's a couple of them. There's one, I believe it's for MSNBC. If you just kind of Google around, you can find it. But the guy shows up. There's one, epi there's one um, episode or show where this, there's a woman interviewing Dahmer, and there's this other one where it's a man. And, and the one with the man, I believe it's the one with the man, like he shows up to like meet Jeffrey Dahmer at the prison, and, and Jeffrey Dahmer comes out you know, like with the guard, and his dad is there too. It's like Jeffrey Dahmer and his dad being interviewed by this guy. 
And Jeffrey Dahmer comes out and is like, uh, well, I'm glad. I'm, sh I'm sure glad you made it here in the snow. The roads seemed the roads were pretty bad. He's like all polite and well spoken, and you know his interview is incredibly articulate. And and it's I don't I don't want to go so far as to say he's charming. He's not charming like Ted Bundy, but it's like he's again he's intelligent. He's articulate. He knows what he's talking about. He's all of these things like if you were your neighbor you'd just be like oh hey Jeff how are you right. noticing a stench coming from your apartment but I'm not going to ask too many questions because you seem to be like a you seem to be a smart guy or whatever um in in the in the um in the the Netflix show I forget what he says he's like I ordered I ordered a case of meat and it's spoiled. It's so weird. The, the his neighbor's like, "Jeffrey, your apartment stinks." And he's like, "I ordered some meat and it's spoiled. Leave me alone or whatever." So anyway, it's it's just really funny because Jeffrey Dahmer he's into eating people. He's into like murdering and eating people. And there's another interview where this woman is interviewing him and he's talking about the altar that he was, he's like, I wanted to create an altar in my apartment. And she's like, what was the purpose of the altar supposed to be? And he goes, Ugh. he like does this crazy grunt. And it's like in this grunting, it's like this weird grunt sigh thing. He's like, Ugh. and in that, in that grunt, it's like he's, he's coming to terms with something about himself that is just really disgusting that he knows is disgusting because he's got like a he's got like self awareness around the crazy people eating part of him, right? And he just goes, Ugh. it was I I think it was a way that I could remember them or make them a permanent part of me or something. And it, again, very articulate. And but it's the in in the grunt he's like wrestling with himself. I'll I'll find the video. I'll put it in the show notes and you can enjoy it yourself. But it's so. Crazy. It's just like I'm insane, and I like to eat people, and I can't stop, and I never would. So it's a good thing I'm in prison. It's kind of like that is what he's expressing in that very peculiar moment. And uh, but then I saw a short video, like there's those YouTube shorts where it's like you know a minute long video or a thirty second video or something. And Jeffrey Dahmer actually found Jesus, and he's like, it's it, and it's a shame that they don't promote that side of things because it's like it's like he's like well you know I it's it, I believe it's a part of the same interview he's like with this woman he's like well I found Jesus I found Jesus Christ and I am forgiven and I know that I'm going to heaven and I know that what I did was wrong and Jesus will save me and it's it's, it's and there's like I, I believe there's like piano music playing like somebody edited piano music but it's like it's honestly like really beautiful. It's like, wow, Jeffrey Dahmer found Jesus. And as a person who was saved by something, I choose to call it God, as a person whose life was, was that crazy, I never was tempted to eat a person or kill a person. Um, but I stole from some people, paying them back. Um, but I, I, there's, a, there's a part of that, I understand what it's like to have your spirit exist in a certain place that seems to be unsalvageable. And, and then to be saved, to, to have discovered or found salvation in, in the midst of that despair. And so 
Jeffrey Dahmer found Jesus, you know, and so Jeffrey Dahmer is forgiven. Now, if we were to look at Jeffrey Dahmer through the lens of like quantum forgiveness, he knows not what he he knows not what he does. His spirit was trapped in some sort of dimension. He couldn't help, you know, kidnapping and sort of torturing and then eating people. He was he's forgiven, right? And it's not that he. Um, in the same way that I'm not tempted to hate my neighbor, um, in, in the same way that I am tempted, rather, to hate my neighbor, Jeffrey Dahmer is, I'm certain, in, in, uh, up until the time he was murdered in prison, was still tempted to eat people, thought about eating people, perhaps fantasized sexually about some aspect of eating people <laughs> to get him off sexually. Um, he... You know, he's, he still was tempted by that probably, but he could catch himself in those moments of temptation and surrender the temptation to God and experience something that was transcendent. And I realize that many people would never be able to find any place within them that was capable of forgiving such horrific acts. You know, I, 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 I kind of I kind of get it. And it's kind of beautiful. And the things that Jeffrey Dahmer did were completely and totally disturbingly and peculiarly fucked. But maybe he's in heaven. Who knows? Did Jeffrey Dahmer go to heaven? Discuss. Thank you so much for listening to the Magic Pisces podcast. I will talk to you next time. Have a beautiful day. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear blue skies, and before the great awakening, there were demons disguised as angels in shiny foily packets containing China heroin. The cheapest vodka bottles, the filthy escapades, my morning hustle on the train. And the angels watching over me, the God that I could never see as I wandered alone through city streets. And the whores, the whores, the whores were my friends The hookers and the junkies and the other deviants They beat me to submission till I cast aside my demons And that's when It came shining through Dusty blinds in a dim lit room And I saw the light I saw the light I saw the light, I saw the light It was that sweet, 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 the sweetest of surrenders Sweet, 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 the sweetest of surrenders Sweet, 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 the sweetest of surrenders Get it any way you can Get it any way you can And I don't need no motherfucking Bible to show me of my ways, but may God bless you if you keep one by your bedside, I hope it gets you to heaven one day, I hope it gets you to heaven one day, I hope it gets you to heaven one day, and I ain't gonna argue with no atheist, because my truth is my truth is my truth is my truth is my truth, and it came shining